over these many weeks of our study of this precious book of Luke, we've been privileged to witness this loving ministry of the Lord Jesus as he went about the countryside and towns preaching and teaching the truths of God and how he reached into so many lives that he met along the way and he would heal their sicknesses and their diseases. And now here in the scripture passage that I'll read for us in a moment given in Luke chapter 9, and you can turn there if you will, Luke chapter 9, we're given this special privilege of seeing the next step of God's precious plan for this unfolding of the gospel, the sending forth of the disciples to begin the work that Jesus had been preparing these men to do. You'll recall from when we studied the words given to us in chapter 6 that there was an occasion when the Lord Jesus had gone up on top of the mountain and he had prayed there all night and he had come down and called his faithful disciples to himself and from them he carefully chose 12 of them to be his intimate disciples. Let me read those words for us. They're in Luke chapter 6 verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. Now in today's passage here, after these same disciples had traveled with Jesus for some time, I'm not quite sure how long, but after these disciples had traveled with Jesus for some time, learning all the truths of the gospel, that he had preached to the people. It was time then for these disciples to step on forward and to begin to do their part. And that's a message to each of us. These disciples were being called to step forward and begin to do their part, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Listen to this command that's given here in chapter 9 of Luke. Verse 1, Then he called his twelve disciples together, And he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey with you, neither staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. Do not take two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And so they departed and they went throughout the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Folks, faith is an absolute necessity. We've been speaking on it for several weeks now. But faith is an absolute necessity for every step that we take in this journey that we are traveling with Christ. And here Jesus begins a special training with his disciples in this discipline of faith. 
By this time, the disciples had been traveling with Jesus for a while, and no doubt their personal faith in him was growing with each witness of his power and his miracles. And also their faith was surely being encouraged by the faith that he saw in others. We think of the woman that Jesus had just healed of that flow of blood, a long illness. And then this synagogue leader whose daughter had been brought back from the dead. And then many others. But for the most part, until this time, the disciples had always had Jesus right with them, exercising faith for them, providing for all of their needs. But now, it would be different. Jesus was asking them to do something very new and very different. He was asking them to take a step forward and to go out on a missionary journey without him. That meant that they would now be required to have and to exercise their own faith, independent of his presence. And that was a big step for them. These scriptures don't give us a view of what their emotional response might have been to that command. And so we don't know how certain or uncertain they might have felt in those first beginning moments. But as I've been saying from, for some time now, God's plan for our faith is that it build step by step, moment by moment. And it comes as a provision from God's own hand. He empowers us by the unction of the Holy Spirit to take a step forward. But then, folks, listen. With that unction of the Holy Spirit, we must actually be the one to move our feet. These disciples then, and you and I now, we must actually be the one to move our feet. It's so comfortable to stay in our own home and do little or nothing. But that's not what he's calling us to do. We, you and I, must actually move our feet in the direction he wants us to go. He does not often move our feet for us. But then, as we do take those steps, those first steps of faith, he then, the Spirit of Christ, mysteriously works within our movements to empower not only that step, but also our next step and our next We just have to be listening for His Holy Spirit. But He then begins to power each step that we take. And the example that we've given so often here is that of the Levites as they took their first steps there into the water of the Jordan and then God parting the waters. I I confess to you, that is an amazing image that I have as they would put their foot in the water of the Jordan. It would begin to separate That had to be an exhilarating experience for them. Now here in this message, Jesus told his disciples that it was time for them then to go out and to begin these first steps of this soon-to-be lifelong missionary journey. It was going to be a wonderful and exhilarating journey, especially as they would be able to perform these miracles that Jesus had empowered them to do. But it was also going to be a dangerous journey for them. A dangerous journey that would eventually cost most of them their lives. But looking back, we know that these first simple steps by these men were to be the beginning steps of the greatest venture, the greatest undertaking that mankind would ever embark on. This was the very beginning of the church. 
the beginning of this precious religion that we call Christianity. These disciples had no idea the immense importance of those first steps that Jesus was calling them to take. And on a grand scale of all the people on the earth, it might seem insignificant that 12 men would go out and begin to spread the gospel. But that's not so. Because all great adventures start with the first step. Their efforts provided the spark that ignited the belief and the faith that even you and I have in our hearts today. And their efforts at that time are the reason that you and I are here in this church today. It has reached that far forward. And you and I must be willing to step on forward in our own faith, to grab hold of that same vision that Jesus was passing along to this twelve. Folks, we don't know what our next steps, the impact that our next steps might have on future generations. But this is the way that God seems to go about building His church. One person, perhaps a few, responding in faith and stepping on forward. And these simple verses of today's text give us the blueprint for that plan. Here Jesus is going to do three things. Here we're told that He calls us, He equips us, and that He then sends us out. He places a call, a deep and compelling urge within a person's heart. I recall that taking place in my own heart when we visited French camp back in the 1970s. We had no idea about coming to work at French camp. But within hours, perhaps no more than two to three days, there was this compelling urge within my soul that said I would need to leave my home there in Florida, bring my family, and minister at French camp. That's what he does. It's a mysterious thing that takes place, but the Holy Spirit places this deep and compelling call upon our hearts. And then he fills us with the mysterious spiritual powers and gifts that we never had before. Now, not necessarily the same gifts that he gave to these disciples, but he puts these spiritual gifts within us to empower us, to enable us to do that which he's calling us to do. And then he places this strong desire within our hearts to rise up and then to take the steps that it would require for us to go and do whatever he's calling us to. I recall in that circumstance with us in coming to French camp, we said as a family, we won't talk about this for a week after we got back to our home in Florida. But then after a week, let's sit down and we'll decide what the Lord is asking us to do or calling us to do. And so one week later, we're there in our home in Florida. We sat down and we said, okay, what are we going to do? I've mentioned this to you in the past. I, but we gave our daughter, who was a teenager at the time, we gave her an equal vote. My wife, myself, and our daughter. And we all three said, yes. That's this mysterious working of the Holy Spirit. Compelling us to do things that we had never imagined before. To leave this very successful job that I had as a banker that paid a lot more money than French camp paid, but to go there. And it was the best decision we've ever made. 
Folks, we don't know what's going to happen next. Abraham was there in his country of Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans. And he didn't know where he was supposed to go, but suddenly he was called by God to get up and step forward. And so Abraham, simply in faith, took that first step in front of him. And he kept taking that next step, enabled by the Holy Spirit, until he eventually then reached the land of Canaan. And because of Abraham's faith, his family, the Israelite people, ultimately arrived in the promised land. It was many years later, but that was God's plan. There's also an important truth for us to grasp within this. As we take unknown and uncertain steps of faith today, we can be assured, you and I can be assured that our faith will have a profound impact on future generations. These scriptures speak often about how the things that we do today will reverberate to the third and the fourth generation. That's so with us. Looking back at those first steps by these 12 disciples, we can clearly see the future impact of their faithful response to Jesus' call. And so the question is for you and me today, do you believe that Jesus has placed a special call on your heart? Do we believe that he has placed this call on each of our hearts? Would we even recognize his call when it comes? How do you recognize that call? Now granted, it was probably easier for these first disciples then because Jesus was right there in front of them and he was speaking out loud these words, telling them, urging them to go on out and to begin to preach this gospel. And he told them that he would give them special powers and abilities to perform miracles, the same miracles that he was performing. In another place in Scripture, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the work that I do, and even greater works than I do. And I can't imagine that. But even greater works than I do, Jesus said, because I'm going to the Father. He says, whatever you ask in my name, that I'll do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. He said that to you and me, as well as to those disciples. The reality is, all of those same promises that Jesus made to those first disciples, they're also true for you and me. Do we believe that? All we have to do for those same promises to become a reality in our experience is for us to take that same simple step of faith that they took. And, and folks, we're told to do that. The Great Commission given to those same disciples some short time later is intended also for you and me, personally and individually. Now we may think, well, at my age, I just don't know that I can go out, especially into foreign countries, and preach the gospel. And perhaps that's not what the Lord is calling us to do. That might not be His call to us personally. He has, though, a call upon our hearts. And we need to listen to hear it. And no, we'll not probably not grasp the part about healing the sick and driving out demons. But listen, this is a call that Jesus has issued to you and me. This is from Matthew chapter 26. Jesus came and he spoke to them. 
to the disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is personally with us as we take these steps he's telling us here. Now, yes, this call was given to these disciples then. But please, we must understand that it's intended also for us now, personally. And our response to the Lord Jesus must be as simple as it was for them, for those disciples. It's to say, yea, and amen, because he always does it the same. He calls us. He equips us then to do what he's calling us to do. And then he sends us out to do that thing that he's called us to do. Listen to these words again. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 9. Then he called his 12 disciples together. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Simple words. Here Jesus called his disciples together. Then he equipped them with the power and the authority to carry out all that he had called them to do. And then he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. A question that came to my mind as I read this. How would these disciples and how would you and I know how to preach the kingdom of God? Would it be because they, because we have been watching and hearing the words of the Lord Jesus preached? Now that would have been very true for them in their day. But it's also true for us, especially because we now have these scriptures. We have recorded in these scriptures everything that Jesus wants us to say to people. But listen, there's another essential element that's true. And it was especially true for those 12 disciples as they went forth. Listen, the gospel that Jesus was preaching and teaching, they were all Brand new words of truth. Those were all brand new words of truth. Never heard before. Now, yes, many of those truths were contained in the Old Testament. But they were veiled, it seemed, from the understanding of the people until Jesus came to explain them to us. And here Jesus was giving his disciples the ability to preach those brand new words of truth to the people just as he was doing. Now, folks, he doesn't give you and me brand new words. All the words that he wants us to speak will come out of here, out of these scriptures. But he will do much the same with us. He will put words into our mouths, just as those words that I read to you in the beginning of this service about Jeremiah. God put the words in Moses' mouth, in Aaron's mouth, in prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah. And he'll also put words in your and my mouth so that we can preach and teach this kingdom of God to other people. It's one of those gifts of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that the Holy Spirit gave them every word to say as they went out and ministered. And he'll do the same for us. Listen to these words in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus told his disciples, don't be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say. 
for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, right at that moment. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I should not be studying these scriptures. We should be. But he'll bring to mind what we've studied, the words that he's given us. He says, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you're to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Now that's God's promise to you and me also. He'll bring to our minds the things that we've learned, perhaps even in church services just like this, or those times that we learn from reading these scriptures. And then he'll mysteriously bring things to our mind that we didn't remember studying. We did, but he'll bring them to our minds, giving us everything that we need to say. Why do I say that? Because he's done it in my life. Folks, I'm not half as smart as it takes to come up with these messages. The Lord gives me every one of these words. He gave those disciples everything they needed as they went out and they ministered. And he'll do the same thing for us. And again, now, the disciples, they were called by Jesus. They were equipped by him to do all the things that he called them to do. And then they were sent out to carry out their calling. And they responded to Jesus' calling in exactly the right way. And they prospered. They prospered in the things for which they were sent. And that's also promised in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. Precious words. He tells us there, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I think of how when we stumble with words when we're trying to witness, and we think, oh, I wish I'd have said that better. No, that doesn't count. The Holy Spirit takes those words, no matter how mumbling and fumbling they are, and He prospers them within the heart of the person who's listening. So don't gauge the effectiveness of what you said or what you might be going to say by your own standards. His Holy Spirit will prosper those words within the hearts of the people that you witness to. And it cannot fail. God promises that. But again, those disciples and you and I, we are an absolutely essential part of this great equation that God has designed for this gospel. Those disciples' part was to go out in faith and to give this gospel. And you'll note there in those words that I read a moment ago that Jesus deliberately put his disciples in a position where they would have to live every moment of their journey by faith. Listen to these words again. This is verse 3. And he said to them, Take nothing with you in your journey, neither staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor food, nor money, and do not take two tunics. The disciples weren't allowed to take anything with them. They were to depend upon the provision of God that would flow through the hands of the people that they had met along the way. And you think, oh, but what if they don't respond right? But folks... That's not the question to ask because God's plan is being worked out. I think it's such a clever thing that God did in requiring them to live those days by faith. The disciples, in their going out, they had absolutely nothing in hand. It required faith. 
But it also required the people that they encountered to be personally sensitive to the needs of these disciples. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He goes ahead of us and he readies their heart for our visit with them. Too often, we want to make all these plans and put them all in order and provide for ourselves. We don't want to depend upon those people that we'll visit to provide for us. As I thought about that, I thought, as for me, there would be some sin on my part in not asking favors of other people. When we don't ask other people to participate in this ministry that God has called us to, we are in some ways robbing them of this special ministry that God may have put in their heart to provide for our needs. Food, place to sleep, all of those things that would be needed. But Jesus is telling us here within these words that he's going to put both sides of this missionary equation into motion. He required the disciples to take nothing with them, knowing very well that they were going to get hungry, they were going to get dirty, they were going to need a place to sleep, a place to actually preach their gospel. But the other side of that missionary equation would be those people that they would meet. The people there would need to listen carefully to the Holy Spirit, as I mentioned a moment ago. And they would need to be givers. Givers of hospitality and food and lodging. And again, that's this special ministry of the Holy Spirit going ahead of us as we take our steps forward. It's a good plan that God has designed, requiring everybody to take part in their part of this equation of the gospel. So then let me ask about your response to God's plan. Are you a missionary? You do know that we have no choice in that matter. We are each subject to the Great Commission. It requires you and me to give the gospel of Christ at every opportunity. And we're supposed to be looking for those opportunities, but at least to recognize them when they come our way. Now, on the other side of that missionary equation, are you a giver? For those missionaries serving in other lands, do you supply them with food, clothing, and other provisions? Do you have missionaries in your monthly support? My dear wife and I, we support a family that's in Kenya, and we support this young lady who is ministering in Laos over near Cambodia. Do you actively seek out missionaries to support? Because they need that, else they'll not have their food, their clothing, their provisions. And folks, you need to do that, whether you think you've got the money to do that or not. Why? It's because God will provide you the money to support them. That's the way he keeps this equation of the gospel and the missionary effort in balance. Even further, for those folks who are near to you, do you willingly invite them into your home? Do you intentionally invite people that you can provide a meal for in Christian conversation? A more intimate question. How many times have you Im invited one of these other church members to eat with you? I know that's putting you on the spot, but how often have you invited one of our members to eat with you? I recall in another church that I 
attended. There was this dear elderly lady. She would invite me to stop by her house after church and eat biscuits and sausage that she had prepared earlier. And I really enjoyed those biscuits and sausage. Most of all, I enjoyed the Christian fellowship that we were sharing together. Let me encourage you. Be a missionary, no matter how small an opportunity you might have or that you may perceive that you have. You and I need to be missionaries, beginning in this church and then on out into these neighborhoods here in this town and to seek an opportunity to give the gospel to them, but at the same time giving yourself to those people. Why? It's because God has called you and me to do that. But not only that, He has fully equipped you and me with all that we'll need to do anything that He asks of us. And according to the words of the Great Commission, we've been sent. He has already sent us. And so we are to go ye into this congregation, into these neighborhoods, and we are to preach this gospel. Let me close with these words. And so the disciples departed and they went throughout the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, it's intimidating to think of stepping out into an unknown condition with unknown people. Help us to begin somewhere, perhaps by stepping out into this place that we know about in this neighborhood with people that we know and then to move on from there but above all help us to obey your call your equipping and your sending we pray in jesus precious name